I'm not going to be sucked into your nonsense, Nate. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to house party protocol. Power up suits and welcome in to another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today, two weeks in a row, is the Goodness one and gracious. only Nate from the Gamers Guild. What's happening, dude? Not much, man. You keep having all these interesting topics and stuff, and you're like, hey, you want to be on the show? And I'm like, well, of course I do. So here I am. Yes, indeed. Well, I mean, I think this is a really good one this week, and we don't have any spoilers other than we did get the full reveals for Squirrel Girl and Gwenpool, and I gotta say, very comic accurate, especially from Squirrel Girl's perspective, modern comic, like, that is, like, literally the cover of her comic. Mm -hmm. So, I love them. I mean, I'm excited about these characters. I think they're going to be fun and and they're kind of like wacky, goofy characters a little bit. So I think it could be fun to see how they perform on the tabletop and stuff. Are they characters that interest you at all? Honestly, not terribly. I don't know much about Gwynpool. I'm I've learned more about Gwynpool in the past like 4 days since her reveal <laughs> than I have in my entirety of knowing of the existence of Gwynpool's character. Uh, Squirrel Girl will be cool. It's not one I'm like super stoked for, but I'm excited for the people who are excited about her kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that very much. And uh, the, the speculation on power level around Squirrel Girl is cracking me up. It's like, well, she's totally a 10 threat because she defeated Dr. Doom with squirrels. Dr. And it's Doom, like... Galactus, and like befin befriended Galactus, defeated Thanos. Like there's no telling. No telling. The spectrum is broad for Squirrel Girl, and I'm here for it. I, I think she's a, a character that is interesting, wacky, and fun. Gwenpool is interesting because it's actually not Gwen Stacy. Mm -hmm. So, like, when we when we talk about Gwen now, we're actually gonna have to like talk about which ones and stuff. So, I think that's kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting uh, I'm getting tired because like even Agent Venom was like, all right, cool. I have to specify Agent Venom because I can't just say Venom because you're going to instantly assume it's the actual other Venom. So it has to be AV or Venom mm -hmm. or fill in the blank. Just call him Flash. Could just call him Flash, but then you got like Quicksilver and somebody's going to get confused there. Exactly. Exactly. And those other people at that other property that we're not going to talk about that have that movie coming out. But anyways, so Nate, we actually haven't said what our topic is is for today yet and it's because i wanted to bury the lead a little bit because this is one that i think is kind of multifaceted so everybody knows that there's a big tournament coming up or a big event if you're kind of in the hobby miniatures space you kind of know what adepticon is and i'm sure there's somebody out there listening that has never heard of adepticon does not know what it is 
anything like that. And look, that's cool. I didn't know what Adepticon was for a long time until I got more interested in the miniatures gaming hobby. However, it is a pretty big event. So I thought it would be cool to take today and talk about what the meta might be in Marvel Crisis Protocol. So if you're going to say this event or maybe an LVO or a NashCon or a Nova, some other big event, what you could potentially see and maybe whether or not that this there is even a meta, what that meta looks like, how to maybe deal with that meta. And also before we jump right into that topic, I wanted to take a second to kind of rehash something that we've talked about before, but it's been a while. So I feel like it's a good time to talk about it again. And that is kind of con big tournament kind of feels and stuff. What do you think, Nate? Absolutely. Cool. (laughs) So first thing I want to say is if you're going to a big tournament or a big convention and stuff like that, number one thing, remember to have fun. It can be really easy to get caught up in the moment, to get caught up in the dice spiking one way or the other, to get caught up in a play that you made or a play your opponent made that that maybe wasn't wasn't what you wanted to have happen. But at the end of the day, have fun. That's what you're there to do. And I know for myself this year, going to Adepticon, it's my first time ever going to Adepticon. So you know what I've signed up for, Nate? Literally one thing, and it's the mm-hmm. MCP tournament. No, I think uh, I think that's a, a very reasonable thing to do, especially since I know you're not necessarily going for the whole length of the con, right? Uh, yeah, I'm only going to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, so uh, without that kind of extra day to burn, giving yourself a couple days of just kind of like chill time, and honestly, like you're a good player, making sure you have uh, Sunday free for top cut stuff is not unreasonable. Yeah, yeah, that too, even though, I mean, I think we're going to have some sharks, and so <laughs> we'll see what happens. I mean, I recorded a like kind of test game with my roster with Merzane today and he was playing brotherhood and I was doing my convocation and Lord knows it is. Oh, it's a bad matchup for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And brotherhood's popular right now. Weren't you supposed to be a web warrior guy at this point? What happened? Well, yeah, but for whatever reason, whenever I go back to my web warriors, I have fun. I love them. They're exciting. They play a similar game to Convocation with, like, you know, a little bit of control. They play fast, spread out, moving around. But for whatever reason, I just, I feel like I haven't peaked on my Convocation yet. And and maybe I have. Maybe I have, I have reached the pinnacle of my ability with those characters and with that roster. But for whatever reason it is, I just have too much fun being like, okay, cool, I'm going to shoot my magical bullets at you. You're like, here comes my mind bullets. You know, take take this magic. I don't know. And and also, there's a part of me that's like, okay, well, you've got to have some mystic in your list. Why not have an entire list full of mystic? Because everybody hates to see that. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense why I, I should be playing Web Warriors again, if we're being honest, but I'm not. So here we are. <laughs> 
So here we are. Yeah. Yeah. And look, that's the thing about this game. There is so much out there that the game is so broad that I think that playing what you find fun, what intrigues you, that's another thing about when you're preparing for an event. Play what you know and play what you think is fun. And I think plenty of stuff is fun. Like there's a part of me that wanted to run just off the wall Guardians of the Galaxy stuff. Like I just, I've literally never taken Guardians to an event or anything, but I played them recently just for fun with some friends. And like, it's a fun little faction to play every once in a while. Mm -hmm. You know? So it's like, you know, I would say if you, if you have aspirations of trying to make it to day two, place in those top levels, play what you know, and, and so that's part of what I'm doing here. I mean, I've been grinding Convocation for over a year now, and I've never really done that good in an IRL sense, but I've done okay here and there. It's It doesn't matter. And so I know the comfort zone. And part of that today actually was when we were playing with Merzane was I did something that was within my comfort zone, and it maybe bit me in the butt. So if you want to check that out, you can, it's over on YouTube currently, uh, should be the top video over there. So you can go check that out and, uh, let me know what you guys think. So yeah, Nate, do you have anything for the suits out there when it comes to like going to a convention and, and, and kind of how to get your, your head around things and whatnot? Oh man. Yeah. So for people who are going to their first ever miniatures, convention uh definitely go with a day or two empty and just go and kind of like explore the vendor hall get in demos of all of these other different games that they have to offer obviously shatterpoint's going to be big at adepticon but also things like conquest there's like the skirmish mode of conquest uh and like uh rivenstone i think is what it's called uh do you know what I'm talking about? I have no idea, but and Anvil Studios uh, came out with a, a minis game. Hungerford oh, yeah. is the the lead developer on it. They had their first demos at Adepticon. I was like, oh, cool! Like that's something I'll go and check out. So the opportunity to just find new things that you're interested in, talk with vendors, and even just going around and seeing these amazing tables uh, that the other games have and kind of stuff like that is. It just kind of gets the hobby inspiration going, which is really cool. Absolutely. And it's Adepticon is a really unique and interesting thing, I think, in the wargaming space because that's what it's dedicated to. It is mm -hmm. war games specific, and it's an interesting thing. And it's, it's something that, like I said, I've had my finger on the pulse of it for years and finally being able to, to go is very exciting and interesting and I'm a little nervous but I think that's okay like I think it's you know I, we met the Adepticon guys you know them a lot better than I do but but I met them at Warfare Weekend and they're wonderful dudes and I'm really excited to see them again play some more games with them and and just hang out and chat with them but I'm also excited to see my suits you know the people that know me through this podcast it's always a good time like there are more people than I can count than I am sure are going to be there that I'm going to meet. But like, I'm, I'm excited to see you again, Nate. I'm excited to see Matt and Schultze and even the new people. I think Cthulhu Taco's coming. So I'm excited to meet him. You know, like I'm excited to meet 
anyone that's going to be there. And that's another thing that I think when you go to these big conventions and when you go to these events and stuff like that, even if you don't have a platform like I have here, uh, it's really cool to meet people and bond and make those connections over something that we all love to do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, even if you were going to the con just kind of like by yourself, like you, you will find people that have the same interests as you that like, it, it's just a, such a unique experience that you will, you will find friends that like, You'll you'll meet them once, and then you'll find out like, oh, they're going to this other con. Like, I can go with them this time, and uh, absolutely cool thing. Yeah, absolutely. But, anyways, let's let's pivot now and talk about our meta discussion. I'm gonna save the rest of kind of like tournament prep talk for next week with Merzane. We're gonna be doing one final special report before Adepticon, and so I'm gonna save the discussion around around like really what you need to think about with tournament prep and all that stuff uh, for that. But the, the one thing I want to leave you with on this discussion out there, guys, is have fun. It is, it's something that I have forgotten to do myself at times. And, and it's most recently at Warfare Weekend, I, I had just a bad beat. And you remember this, Nate? I was like, yeah, I'm thinking about dropping. And I didn't drop, and I'm glad I didn't because I ended up having a nice, fun game at the end and everything. And, you know, our friend Brad, kind of the same thing at NashCon. We were both kind of, after a long day of grinding, I was like, man, I don't know if I want to play this last round. Found out I was playing Brad, and, you know, we know I know Brad pretty well and everything. You obviously know him a little better than I do. But, you know, he's a fun guy to play with, fun opponent, and and we just had a, a nice, fun back and forth. And And that sometimes is a nice little thing to do. It's like... Even if even if you're not, you know, going to that second day, you can still have fun and enjoy yourself. And if you do want to one day be at that top table, those those lower table games, I, I feel weird saying it like that. Uh, it, like the, you know, those day one games. Yeah, those day one games. Like you're you're still gonna be able to learn from those. You're still gonna be able to say, okay, cool, I'm gonna try something different because what I did do wasn't working, or mm -hmm. whatever. Anyways, Nate, the meta. Like, I don't know about you, but every time I hear that word, I think about that song by Tenacious D called The Metal. And, like, I try to, like, think about this, like, you know, you know, punk rock tried to kill the metal. And I try to, like, think about characters that would, like, fit for the, the different genres that he sings in that song. And I'm like... Okay, well, what in MCP would relate to things that tried to kill the meta? And it's like, you know, is Beta Ray Bill trying to kill the meta with Malekith? And it's like, Beta Ray Bill tried to kill the meta, but the metal did still survive. You know. <laughs> if you haven't listened to that song, by the way, just, just go download it, listen to it, and then and then you'll you'll see. Then you'll see. <laughs> Nate. I feel like I'm just rambling here. It's a great tangent, man. No, I, I have never listened to that song and thought, oh, yeah, that sounds like meta. And then try, no, that's not a it's not a thing. That is not a road I have journeyed down. So thank you for taking my hand and leading me down that path. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. But anyways, so I guess the first question that we have to talk about is what is a meta, Nate? 
So that's actually a really cool and somewhat complex question because meta means so many different things in so many different situations, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it is actually Greek uh, in its origin and meaning after or beyond, which doesn't help us here at all. But the prefix of like more comprehensive or transcending still doesn't help us at all. Do you know why that's the case, Will? I really don't, and I'm excited to learn. Cool. Meta is actually, for gaming at least, an acronym for most effective tactics available. Now, I've heard that before, but I'm not going to lie to you guys. It's only been within the like, last year or two that I knew what that meant. And, and I always thought about when people talked about things being meta, I thought they meant like community. You know what I mean? Like the show mm -hmm. community being a meta commentary, which also is its own thing. Uh, yeah, that's a different kind of meta. <laughs> different kind of meta, exactly. And so it's funny that when we talk about it in terms of wargaming, most effective tactics available, and it kind of ends up being this umbrella that I think we put a lot of things into. But continue on with the lesson because I'm super excited to, to, to keep this going. Absolutely. Uh you can also, with that, kind of derive into metagame, which is using information about the game uh, that is looking overall for just that competitive edge uh, influencing the outcome of the game. You're not going, not always necessarily looking to go in and throw dice with mystical pew-pew bullets. Uh, you're you're kind of looking like, okay, cool, I'm going to roll in with this Mystic Attack because it's got some re-rolls on it, Doctor Strange style, and that's going to be really effective against that Captain America over there. Mm-hmm. So but two different points of view on what can be the same thing, but usually this is a, you're you're kind of coming at it with this like tactical perspective pretty much. Okay, so with that, when we talk about the meta game versus the meta versus just an individual match does the meta within an individual match change or does like the overall meta game and like so for instance you're using captain america there as an example and i've got my mind bullets dr strange and so in that moment the most effective tactics available to me is mind bullets super strange does that mean that I am participating in the meta or is the meta game like a different thing? Uh, yes, no, a little <laughs> bit of everything. So you're, you're definitely using the most effective tactics in those kind of situations when they line up. Does that mean you're necessarily like striving to play the absolute best? No, not necessarily. You're also just kind of making the, the smart play. Uh, but then you kind of open up a, a different level of meta when you go into the list building and looking at what other popular lists are versus even just the, the meta of turn zero of like, cool, here's my 10 characters, there's your 10 characters. What can I expect you to bring? Uh, there are multiple levels of meta, I think, if that's the question you're trying to ask. Uh, it is. I asked it in a really terrible way because I'm not very good at this. But I think you hit the nail on the head of just like there is a difference between meta and, and the meta game versus just your strategy on the tabletop. Mm -hmm. and, and that's kind of the distinction I wanted to get at. And you said that. So I'm glad that you said it like that because I definitely would not have said it that way. 
but I think that we got there. We got there. You know, that's the thing we do here at House Party Protocol is we get there in the end. You know, so anyways, I think that when we start talking about what you said with roster construction, here's my 10, there's your 10. All right, what are what are my expectations? And I think that that is where you start to get into the discussion of what is the meta game and especially how it relates to Marvel Crisis Protocol. So, Nate, would you say that a meta game or a meta in Marvel Crisis Protocol does that equate to popularity or is it just as it relates to the tactics that you're bringing to the tabletop? As oh, that's that's a tough one. Uh, so one of the things that I'll, I'll kind of go on an analog here, uh, something I think that's pretty often talked about on here is uh, the wonderful Xavier uh, protocols and some of the work that Jacob's done over there where he'll go through for TTS seasons and major events and kind of look at uh, the meta of that tournament or event, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, and so in that case, the meta can also be what's just kind of popular, which you really kind of get to look at with uh, the TTS rosters, because sometimes it is just a lot of, hey, this is the new stuff. Like, oh, Brotherhood got a new release. We'll instantly see a tick up in the number of Brotherhood players. Mm -hmm. So I don't think necessarily that the meta is a popularity kind of based thing. But I think that the the meta of an event can certainly be swayed by popularity. Yeah, and I I did want to bring that up because I do think that the overall meta and what is quote unquote doing well on the tabletop is an interesting thing in Crisis Protocol. That that's a, that's going to be like literally the next thing we talk about. But popularity and meta are two different things. I think. Yeah. Because popularity does not necessarily relate to most effective tactics available. Exactly. Exactly. But I think that a lot of times, even us as content creators and and anyone out there just, just chilling can conflate the two a lot of times. I know I'm I'm guilty of conflating the two things at times. And that's okay because sometimes there is overlap in that way. There is a okay, cool. Shadowlands Daredevil was popular for a while, and he was also pretty good. So you could argue that he was slash is meta. If you want to go, and I mean like that as an affiliation. And then <laughs> you can also say like Hulk right now as a character is a character that is quote unquote meta, but it also doesn't just mean that he's an auto win button. Yeah, for sure. So, and I think that's where the distinction between something being meta aka popular does not necessarily mean it is the most effective tactics available to let's say your list Nate or my list you mm -hmm. know what I mean yes yeah, absolutely yeah Hulk's real good but he doesn't <laughs> necessarily need to be in every single list at the same time absolutely and another thing I think it's worth talking about when we when we talk about the, the meta of the overall crisis protocol. I think it's worth talking about how you and I see things from a different perspective than maybe Joe Jack over at his local game store that doesn't listen to any podcasts 
and and doesn't you know doesn't watch YouTube videos or any of that stuff. He just comes in on his game night. He plays MCP every once in a while, and he likes playing uh, Zemo. So he brings Zemo all the time. Whether he knows that Zemo is loved by the community or not is irrelevant. That is a character he loves, but it also happens to be a quote-unquote meta character in the broader sense. But what I want to say about this is, like, every local game group, every local scene that you go to also has its own meta. And I don't mean from the meta as in most effective tactics available. I mean it in the sense of the influences that influence <laughs> what is seen at the table. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, every every local gaming store or area, city, what what have you, is going to have a, a different level of uh scene uh to to avoid double tapping the, the meta wording and whatnot. Uh and yeah. so like here locally we, we have a mostly casual scene that's not always super competitive we have uh, a billy bob who is not going to to listen to the the podcasts and youtube stuff but like the dude likes x-men and brotherhood stuff because he loved the cartoons and stuff and therefore goes and plays x-men and brotherhood yeah yeah and, and that's just it and that's what i'm getting at like if if what we say today doesn't line up with what you see at your local scene that's just because what is popular within your local scene doesn't necessarily translate to what we see looking at uh, just from our perspective. It's it's not even whether we look at the broader community or not. Like, you know, you and I are relatively tapped in in terms of like I lurk uh, in a ton of discords and kind of see what some of the conversation going on is and this and that. So I can get a sense of what people think about this character, that character, this affiliation, that affiliation. So it's just a different perspective that you and I have, especially as content creators, than what someone just at their local shop is going to have. So, (laughs) you know, with that now, Nate, the overall meta game within Marvel Crisis Protocol, like, and, and by that I mean, is there one most effective tactics available to a player. Like if you show up to an event with thing X, whether that's a roster or this character in your roster, does that exist in Marvel crisis protocol that you are going to have a leg up anytime you step up to the table? Uh, at the end of the day, absolutely. Right. I, I mean, See, this is this is the, the thing I'm curious about. Like, so can can someone listening to this, can we say, okay, play this roster, play this character, and and you are going to have an advantage by 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 playing the and using the, the phrase most effective tactics available. Does that exist in Crisis Protocol? Yes. In I, what I way? inherently think so because if you tell somebody, hey, uh, go and get reps with this one list uh, and kind of learn the ins and outs of this list, learn how they interact with other lists, 
uh, can absolutely lead to you having an advantage over somebody who is kind of coming in and are going to be playing their third game with Midnight Suns, for example. Okay, so that's an interesting way to look at it. Like, So experience definitely counts for a lot. Yep. It definitely counts for a lot. But I think maybe what I'm trying to, to say is, it without saying go get reps, without saying, you know, test your stuff, practice this, practice that, is, is there a, like, someone listening to this? And, and or listening to any podcast, any publication that talks about MCP, can they listen to this and, and go and pick up, you know, model XYZ and come to the table? No reps, none of that. Like, because that to me is what, what meta means is like saying, okay, and I'm, I'm going to bring him up a lot because he is meta, if you will. This is why this word's so weird, but it's Hulk. Because, yep. because like, can, can you go get Hulk, plop Hulk down, no experience, no game time, nothing, and say, cool, I've got a Hulk, I'm already at a position of power. Like, is that what, is that what even the meta means? I was about to say, I don't think you're defining what meta necessarily mean, means to me, at least, right? Yeah. Uh, and, because and part of that is tactics. Yeah. most effective tactics available. And you can't really have tactics, you can't really have the, the, the deeper understanding of the game without reps and experience, right? I mean, that's definitely how I feel about it. But again, I'm, I'm using this discussion to illustrate how the conversation around the meta that you can see in a lot of places, whether that's Marvel Crisis Protocol or whatever else i think mcp is its own thing you know what i mean like like i think about this when i look at something like call of duty right mm -hmm. so i've played call of duty quite a bit i'm not playing as much anymore right now but when you look at what quote unquote the meta is there especially for a while with like warzone 2 when it first came out and if no one played this it doesn't matter just hear me out the meta is basically what can kill things the fastest and everyone had access to the same stuff, more or less, once you level the gun up and all that stuff. And it was the RPK early on in the first season of Warzone 2. Literally, everyone ran it because it was the only thing that could do work if you were even decent. If you weren't even good at the game, you could just have that and have a chance pretty much in any firefight. I don't mm -hmm. think that MCP functions in the same way that that does but we hear those phrase this phrase meta explaining both kind of things and yeah so that and I, so, I, I, yeah. it's it there, there's not a, a one-to-one -one there for sure uh but like if you give hulk to one player with no reps and you give the other player she hulk who, who do you think is going to come out on that on top of that fight I mean, I'm, I'm, if it's me versus a, a new player with Hulk and they don't know what they're doing and I have She-Hulk, I think I can win that fight. Nine times out of ten? Uh, probably. I mean, dice are going to dice. <laughs> you know. I, I, I think a, a Hulk just has an inherent advantage over She-Hulk. And I think this kind of comes down to what we talked about a little bit last week 
uh, with overall game balance, power creep kind of stuff, right? Okay, yeah, all right. And see, one-on-one, yeah, Hulk wins that fight every time. So it, it, it kind of just comes down to, like, at the end of the day, is there power discrepancies in this game? Absolutely. Absolutely. So to that same degree, there is going to be a uh, plug-and-play meta of, like, hey, here are characters that are just better. Yeah. Than an equivalent. Like, hey, here's... Regular, good old-fashioned Daredevil, and here is Medusa. Yeah. You're going to naturally get more work out of Medusa because it's just like, hey, I roll dice and more things are going to happen for Medusa. Yeah, yeah. And then she has, yeah, there, yes. <laughs> I'm not going to get into, yes, Nate. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's... So, to a degree, somebody telling you, like, hey, go play a list A-Force... With Medusa, She-Hulk, Okoye as kind of like your your core roster, uh, and this is not absolutely the tech the tech or anything, but if that was like a really good team to kind of build a force around and yada yada yada, like then yeah, you're gonna have some inherent advantages, especially because they're they're listening to some of the tactics part, even if they don't have that experience, they're listening to the tactics. So yeah. I'd, I think I will stand by, even with your uh, definition of it, that there is to some degree a, a meta in MCP. Yeah, and is uh, this is one of those things where I've balked at that phrasing in the past, and it's one of those things where because I easily conflate it with popularity, and you know, just because something's popular doesn't mean it is the best thing, and, and mm-hmm. I think that that's where I kind of get myself mixed up in this but i also think that like you know if someone does bring a hulk like i'm i'm gonna have hulk but if someone is playing hulk against me you know whether or not they're playing him in hydra with a sleeper agent which is just gross and it's It's so good (laughs) it's so good so stupid good it's so good uh but you know you play that or you play hulk in convocation like i am or whatever you know if someone brings a hulk into me i at least have experience enough to know what Hulk does. And while I don't think I can necessarily mitigate it, I feel like I can have at least a chance going into that, uh, into that matchup, if you will. So in terms of MCP having a meta, would you say there are some standout characters that kind of form that meta for you, Nate? I am not as in touch as I probably necessarily should be. Uh, I don't think there are any major meta warping characters Okay. at this point. I think there are characters that are like very popular and are very good. But I think after AMG did the nerfs to Malekith, who was really the only meta warping well, Black Cat, Voodoo, and Malekith were were kind of meta warping characters where, like, you either had to play with them or have a plan to play against them, kind yeah. of a thing. Because single extracts were still a thing. Deadly Legacy was busted, uh, but since then, AMG have kind of 
fix those problems. And so, no, I, I don't think there is a, a meta-defining characters at the moment. Yeah, I, I think the closest thing that we have to a meta-defining character is Hulk. Because mm-hmm. of of what value you can get out of him in a typical matchup, whether that's through the attrition part of his game or through the control part of his game, both of which he is very good at. So it's interesting that you say that because I still think that a character like Malekith, like you have to put a little bit more effort to make Malekith's thing go now, but it's not Mm -hmm. that much more effort. And so I still feel like he would be a character that I would say is pretty quote unquote meta in a lot of situations, especially if you're going to an event and people don't have a plan on how to deal with Malekith or maybe there's, uh, I think that's, the, that's it right there is, is not having a plan to deal with something that is maybe slightly still above that curve line. Like Malekith is even with his changes and nerfs. I, I think that that is, uh, you know, something to think about. So, I don't think he's there anymore, but you, don't you, think he's there. you you live in your nightmare land where Malekith still reigns supreme. Well, he just kills me all the time. Uh, but no, f- for me, it's brotherhood, period. Just just any brotherhood player. You want to you wanna beat me? Just bring brotherhood to the table, and you're probably going to win. <laughs> it's, it's the same thing of just saying bring a lot of throws for convocation. It's, it's one of those like, yeah, there's a meta there, but it's also just good advice. I mean, it is, yes. And, and that's another thing is when we talk about meta and most effective tactics available, and I think that we've done a good job of illustrating that one character, one group of characters doesn't necessarily define the meta. Like, for instance, I think Mystique is a very popular character, not only in Brotherhood, but also as a Splash character right now because of deception and mm-hmm. its power. Do you feel like that she is an example of a meta character or is it just because that popularity and the discussion that has kind of dominated with her recently, is is that what makes her seem meta? So this is a tough one to answer because uh, I am, again, not super up to date on meta discussion as a whole right now because I'm not having to prepare for a tournament because I'm helping judge Adepticon instead of uh, playing in it this year. Uh, good luck to all those who are participating. I'm super excited to uh, to be on the other side of that as well. I think Mystique absolutely has the potential to be a character that is above the curve. And so I absolutely think she could be a most effective tactic available for a lot of lists out there. She, she could be a meta character. I don't think she's a meta warping character. Mm-hmm. To the point where, like, some affiliations are just not viable against her, uh, like Malekith and the meta that he kind of promoted uh, happened with. But I do think that she is a very strong character, if that hopefully answers your question. I, I think it does, and and I think that's that's really what I'm trying to to illustrate with a lot of this discussion, is that strong characters exist, will exist. We talked about this last week. And I think that's part of this discussion here is when we talk about what is the meta, like when we pull up Longshanks event for, let's say, the York Weekender or 
LVO, the two biggest events that we've had this year so far, I would say, that we have mm -hmm. data for especially, you can look at those events on Longshanks and see not so much a character-specific breakdown, but you can see affiliation-specific breakdowns. And I think that when you look at that data, you can say, okay, Brotherhood was taken the most of anything across both events, so therefore they are meta. And is that because of Mystique, or does she just have extremely good play there? And, and that therefore informs people bringing that, and is Brotherhood as an affiliation a meta affiliation within Marvel Crisis Protocol, or is just, it's popular? And I think that that's a, a good question to have here. And when it comes to a character like Mystique, I agree with you, Nate, that I don't think she's meta warping. I think she's powerful and she brings a powerful effect in the form of a tactics card that you mm -hmm. have to be aware of. But so does Rhino. Yeah. Robbery's real, real dumb. Mm hmm. So does Pyro. A little less so than the other two, but yeah, still really good. And, and then when you think about bringing, bringing cool things, I mean, Clea totally kills herself, which is just wonderful. We're, we're, this is the, the Will? You okay over there, ma'am? No, because I'm thinking about dropping her from my roster again, and I don't know how to feel about it. <laughs> Here, drop her for Agent Venom, and you're just going to feel better. I don't know if Agent Venom has play in my convocation, homie. Why not? Does a range three place uh, not do it for you when it's less power than Doctor Strange's range three place? No, it does. It's just not good enough for you anymore? <laughs> Is denying your opponent cover and any kind of defensive modification just not good enough for you? That's what it sounds like. I mean, you're you're painting a pretty picture here. What, what about uh, character displacement? You got a ton of that in Convocation, right? Oh, yeah. See, mm -hmm. I'm not going to be sucked into your nonsense, Nate. I'm not doing it. What do you mean nonsense? Agent Venom is a freaking awesome character. He is great. I love him so much. But Beta Ray Bill exists, so Beta Ray Sand. He's not even the better guardian. What are you, what are you talking about? I know, clearly. But uh, yeah, no. Uh, oh we're not goodness. having this discussion. Sidetrack. I absolutely got off, uh, what is it, foreign assignment? Yeah. Or whatever it is, the yeah. guardian's uh, tactic card with Agent Venom. Six power, got to do a full auto Star-Lord attack, a rocket just let him get a free strike two short moves let him move up to Groot heal three and after all that he was lined up perfectly for a four person beam and that was his first action it's just like yeah oh so that good. is beautiful <laughs> I bet that felt anyway, really we good continue with normal meta discussion stuff now no, sorry that that had to feel good though oh it, it did yeah did you do it to Justin no, I did that to uh, one of uh, our other locals, unfortunately. Nice. nice. Uh, yeah, so so back to the meta discussion here. Side tangent away. So talking about Brotherhood, do you feel like that there are affiliations that are more meta affiliations within Marvel Crisis Protocol? Absolutely. Uh, kind of ebbs and flows as things go, but like at the end of the day... Some affiliations are, again, better than others. Sorry, Defenders. You guys are in a real, real rough spot right now. Uh, but in, like similarly for X-Force at the moment, like they just got Psylocke, which is cool, but 
just comparatively to the roster size and strength of characters in teams like Brotherhood, Avengers, uh, even X-Men and so on, just aren't comparable. Yeah. No, that's fair. What would you say are kind of those top three meta affiliations, if you will? It's So here's the wonderful thing. It's not top three. It's not even top five. It's closer to like top ten. Mm-hmm. Because looking at those events, if we, we look at just the, the top eight from LVO and the top eight from uh, the York Weekender, uh, with a little bit of different criteria because LVO had a bracketed system, so I'm looking at the top eight bracket, not necessarily how it overall finished, which is some minutia and stuff. But out of those 16 rosters, we had 12 different affiliations represented, mm-hmm. which speaks to an extremely healthy meta because so many different things are viable. Now, there are some that popped up more, like Brotherhood and Web Warriors, actually, <laughs> Will. Uh, I know. But that that speaks to, yes, at the end of the day, there are going to be things that are stronger and easier to, to get good results with. But it also speaks to, like, hey, like you can pick up more than half of the affiliations in this game and do really well with them. Yeah, and... That is where I think like when we talk about the meta and we talk about things like that and you say an overall healthy meta, what you mean by that isn't so much most effective tactics available as it, I think you mean just the scene, the overall scene. Yeah, of that, the- that's, that's the more of the, the original Greek meaning of meta of like beyond just the game, the overall community and environment. Exactly. And I agree with you. I think that when you especially look at events like that, and look, we're going to have even more data after two weeks from now when when we have the Adepticon data, and we'll be able to see again that Brotherhood was probably half the most played things. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's going to be a ton of it, I'm sure, but mm-hmm. there's still probably going to be a wide breadth of representation across affiliations. And it's one thing... I know it, it was probably way too difficult to do something like this, but I'd love to know like how many times certain characters are taken. And that, that's a lot of extra data entry that no one wants to do when they're playing in a tournament and stuff. But like, man, it'd be cool to know who hits the table often and stuff like that. But either way, mm-hmm. I think that when we look at affiliations, when we look at what what the discourse is out there in in the discords and Facebooks and whatever group you're in, it's easy to get caught up in saying, you know, oh man, Hulk Hulk's insane, and and what are we gonna do against the big green angry monster man? And it's easy to get caught up in those discussions when you take a step back and you look at Hulk's great, but he's not great everywhere and he's not great all the time. And I think that that is an interesting way to look at things. And, you know, I said earlier that we were going to have a discussion on how to deal with the meta. And I think that we've illustrated here that just having reps, having experience, understanding what the popular characters can do. Uh, If you go watch that game I played with Merzane today, you'll see I'm literally playing around deception for the entire game. 
I'm playing around it and knowing what characters do, how they function, all of this stuff, that's going to help you more than saying, okay, cool, I haven't had any reps with Bullseye, but I hear he's good, so now he's on the table for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, do you feel like we've handled the meta discussion, Nate? As best we can, I think so. I, I think, I've, I'm really happy with, with how this has turned out. And, and look, Suits, if you're wanting me to talk about specific characters, shoot me a message. Shoot me a message on Facebook or over on our Discord channel if you're a part of our Discord community. Let me know if you feel like I'm I'm missing something in this conversation, especially if Nate's missing something. Let's just let him have it. <laughs> let, let me know. At but, me. At yeah. me in the comments. At Nate in the comments. But either way, let us know what you think. Let us know if you feel like that maybe we need to talk about Avengers and how there's something going on with Avengers that we haven't discussed or how we need to talk about the the new hotness that is Rhino more and how to deal with him or how insane Hellfire Club's going to be and how they're, they're meta-breaking and why they're meta-breaking and all that stuff. We can have those discussions. I don't know if, if today was the right time to have that, but I still want to know what you guys think about the meta, whether there is one and what defines it within Marvel Crisis Protocol. I feel like we've had a, a bit of a meandering conversation about it, but I've really enjoyed this discussion. And if you're interested in being a part of our Discord community, you can check out patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol. And for as little as a dollar a month for 12 bucks a year, you can come and join the discourse on our Discord where we can have these discussions. And if you want to send me messages on most of the major discords out there, I am at HPP underscore Will. So just search for my name and send me a message if you want to let me know something. Uh, if you uh, want to email us, housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com. And real quick, before we button up this episode, Nate, we have some show questions to get to. Ooh. Yeah. I am stoked for this. But... We've got, we've got a lot of them, so we're not going to spend a ton of time on all of them, but we're going to try to get as many of these as we can. So I asked our Discord community over here to, to tell us what they thought about the meta, and uh, Leland said, in Soviet Russia, meta talks about you. <laughs> I love it. So we've got Rob. He says, is Omega Red meta now? And... This goes, again, to our discussion here of the difference between meta, maybe Omega Red's meta in a certain situation, but he's not necessarily meta as in plop him on the table and all gas, no brakes. Yeah, he is not the most effective tactical choice available during <laughs> roster construction. Exactly. Derail... One for me says, how OP will Squirrel Girl and Gwenpool be? Well, hopefully not too OP, uh, considering that, like we said last week, this game's pretty good place, and hopefully they don't creep the power too much. Or I'm okay with some design creep, but hopefully they're in line. Design creep, always cool. Uh, Squirrel Girl, though, uh, she has to be overpowered, but only in like perspective, because she's going to be like 10 threat, so... 
of course she's going to be overpowered for a girl who talks to squirrels. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Leland says, how important is the choice between affiliation and the selection of team tactics cards during roster creation and which carries more weight? I think this is a really interesting question, Nate. And I think what he means here is trying to decide about an affiliation that maybe has a lot of team tactics cards that are specific versus the kind of generically good team's tactics cards. And maybe reading their team tactics cards before you decide what affiliation to play. So for instance, playing Shield, they have a bevy of team tactics cards that are very good. So would you want to play those cards and then decide, okay, cool, I want to play this affiliation because I like these cards, or does the affiliation matter more for you? Man, it's a, it's such a broad kind of thing, open to, to multiple interpretations. One, very important at the end of the day. Part of the reasons that, uh, in my opinion at least, Defenders is in such a poor position uh, is because like they... The leadership's not great. The roster's pretty solid, though. Uh, but they also have no tactic cards to their name for all intents and purposes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, at the end of the day, uh, between the two, I think affiliation and the roster of affiliated characters is going to be more important uh, than the team tactic cards, but both are very important yeah no i'm right there with you I, I think in defenders is a good example roster of characters is great leadership's just okay no team tax cards worth taking so there you go yep and uh, barncat says why is malekith combined with new skull and mystique for degenerates and it's because some people just want to watch the world burn barncat uh <laughs> you know that that's that Next question he has here, it says, what of any changes would you make to deception? And this goes back to talking about why, you know, it's really powerful. I mentioned how I played around it completely today. And it's, it's one of those things where I think that instead of hitting something with a bat, you've got to hit it with a scalpel sometimes, right? And I don't mean the scalpel of strange. I mean a legit, like, be careful with what you do. Because... It's tied to a character, and we've seen tactics cards tied to characters before that have a really nice effect. Robbery comes to mind. Pyrotechnics mm -hmm. comes to mind. It's a really good one. The, um, the one with Psylocke where she changes things into Mystic. What is that called? Psychic something? Uh, I don't remember, but it, it's it, real good. Gives rerolls. Helios yeah. Mystic style. What's up? Yeah, it's really good. But I also, like, the thing that differentiates those from Mystique's card, and this is where I think that if they wanted to try to change Deception, they should do it like this. I think just put it in line with costing what those other things cost, right? Robbery costs you two power. I think, I think making Deception cost two power would be a fair thing to do, and it would at least allow the game to progress without having to just, like, clump up and play super cagey for a round. You know what I mean? Part of me also, that's tough, because part of it is also like, does two power even do anything to Mystique? Even turn one? So that is where my head went with it too, and that's kind of what I think about is 
a typical deception play is one where Mystique can just move up, get within range four, and just say, okay, cool, you're moving over to me now or to the rest of my team. We're going to mm -hmm. beat up on you. Well, maybe deception could be if they don't have an objective, but then you get into the argument of, well, if, if you need to go chase down a black cat, Mystique is a really great character for that. You know? Yeah, I would say it needs to be range three instead of range four and make it cost one. I think that's fair. I still think the two cost would be where I would go with it specifically because that way you at least make it a, a decision point for your opponent of, okay, I've got to make sure I get Mystique that extra power so that she can do it. And then also, like, if you're playing under her leadership, the Freedom Force, if you go interact with that objective and you get that power back, then you still aren't able to get that deception off right there so like i think the two power cost whether you reduce the range or not is is where i would go with it but with that is it enough of a problem and problem being in air quotes to really hit it with something and that's the question that i'm keep coming back to because Nate, and I want to get your take on it. It's been around for so long at this point. And is it because we're we're having a big discussion around it? Not just here, but I mean, you see it talked about a lot. It's popular right now. Is that why people want to, to change it? Or does it really need changing because it is too good? So I think there's a lot to unpack with that. Because it's a really good question, because it has been around since the first year of the game. It's always also been really good, by the way. Yes. Uh, so I think really you can kind of start looking at it through the lens of, hey, this was really in what enabled Malekith to be such a monster uh, in his heyday, right? Mm -hmm. Because it was her reeling somebody in, and then Malekith could double tap somebody, turn one, which is almost a guaranteed daze on anybody with six health or less in round one. Mm -hmm. uh, so to a degree, I think that has just kind of opened up. And the other reason is a lot of things have got tuned down in power, uh, which has kind of risen the... Not necessarily, it, it didn't rise Mystique, but the things that were above her dropped in their effectiveness. Uh, so at first we had the ridiculous Enchantress and Modoc and other people with insane character displacement. Uh, those got nerfed away. Then Thanos came to power with the gym changes, and he was able to just willy-nilly tractor beam people in and then the gems got restricted, so Thanos was less taken, and I think she is the, the newest iteration, not as strong as the previous things and problems, but I think she's at the point where she is strong enough that if other things get nerfed, I would not be shocked if this gets nerfed alongside them. Okay, yeah, that's, that's really interesting, and I'm certainly in the camp, uh, like, it, it, I had to, like I said, play around it so much today. And I know that anytime I see Mystique on the table, that card's likely there. Nine out of ten times. So, yep. so 
you have to be cognizant and aware of that card. So does that inherently mean that it warps something? I don't know, man. Would I be upset if it got changed, like I said, to two power? No. Or, or change the range on it? No. I would not be upset by that at all. Do I think it's desperately needed? No. So, there you go. All right. So, we've got another question here. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to say any names on this one. Uh, is it proper etiquette to let an opponent know if they have less than the threat level worth of models if they notice before the game, or is it come down to personal accountability? So for instance, Nate, let's say you and I are playing a match and I have, we're playing at 17 and I accidentally bring 15 threat and you bring your 17. What do, what do, what do we do there? Depends on where we're playing at the end of the day, right? Mm -hmm. If we're playing at the local gaming store and I look over and you've got like Wong in your roster or something, I'm like, hey, dude, like you want to throw Wong in there? Mm -hmm. If we are playing at Adepticon, for example, though, uh, that is 100% on that player or the player who does not add up the total amount of threat that they could have brought. That is 100% on yourself, in my opinion, at that point, because... Like, you, you're playing in a competitive environment. You are not there to help your opponents win, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. And it's one of those things where it's really hard for me to turn the... It's not kindness. I don't know what it is, but it's really hard for me to turn off the part of my brain that says, hey, you should maybe think about this before you do thing X. Or thing why yeah, the, the gamesmanship, right? Yeah, it's it's hard for me to turn off the the gamesmanship part of it, the sportsmanship part of it, the the just casual nature with which I approach a lot of this stuff. And it's caught me on more than one occasion where I'm like, hey, you might not want to attack here because I'm gonna do this. And yeah, I I had it cost me a game in Memphis, not necessarily like a hundred percent, but like. I, I absolutely had a, a better chance of doing what I wanted to if I didn't remind somebody of their thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and it's situations like that that I think are interesting. When it comes to, like, you're setting up your models, uh, you know, if you're at a tournament, that's a different thing. That's a, just a different thing. And you, you've got to realize that not only did you come to win games, your opponent also came to win games. And it's and not usually they paid to come and win those games, right? Like yeah, they, this isn't a no investment kind of situation. This is a hey, there, there's a prize pool. There is stuff that I want to get. Yeah, and and it's not incumbent upon them to cover for your mistake. Yeah, you know, like, it, and it's one of those things where if, like you said, if if it's a low impact situation, if maybe one activation has gone by and we're playing casually or whatever. Sure, whatever. I mean, I think the very first time Merzane and I ever played each other, he had he was one threat over, and someone yep. watching the game on TTS caught it and said that, and he just switched Ghost Rider. I think it was Ghost Rider out for Vision. Yep. And, you know, that, that's, I, I could have easily noticed that, but I didn't. So all of this to say, when you're in a tournament setting, 
There's already a lot of pressure. There's already a lot of things going through your mind. Turn zero, step zero of making sure you have the right amount of threat for your roster, for your for your matchup. Like, that's the one thing to double check. You know? But it doesn't even just end with, uh, like, roster construction. Uh, even, like, especially uh, towards the later rounds, like, very obvious mistakes get made uh, by everybody. Mm-hmm. I, I speak personal experience uh, at the the final round of Adepticon. Uh, Aaron England, fantastic opponent. I've played him twice now. Uh, made a huge mistake. Turn one, he portaled up uh, Corvus to pick up a hammer without having to move. And then when he goes to activate Corvus's for his activation, he moves and attacks my Steve Roger. Does a solid chunk of damage for him, unfortunately. Uh, but he leaves the hammer behind, and then after the attack was resolved, he's like, oh, and I meant to, and I'm like, man, I'm sorry, I can't let you, not at this level. Mm-hmm. And I, I think no more than he would have expected me to let him take that back would have I expected him to let me, a couple turns later, realize, oh no, I didn't medpack Steve, who had taken four damage on his injured side, to let me medpack him. Yeah. Like mistakes get made uh and that's something that's just on me it's a a player mistake yep yeah and and that's just it and it's at those higher level things and that's that's why i will probably never be at those top tables is because i'm i'm way too casual so it's like oh crap i forgot the such and such a thing or i i didn't do x y and it's just like oh man you know i just i do that too much just because i get so caught up in other stuff and i just i get excited and also you Mm -hmm. said you're going to be judging this year for the big tournament how many do I have a quota of how many like judge Nate? How how many? What's my quota? Your quota? Uh, are are we talking about the quota where I no longer come and answer or? Did... Uh, yeah, that definitely definitely. How many do I get before you stop coming over? Uh, I'll give you I'll give you two a game. Okay, I'll... I feel like that's generous enough. That is generous. I'll you know what? I'll take just that now. Is there also no, a... no rolling over though? Let's just oh, be clear. Like, see, so if you're like in round three, you don't get six all of a sudden. No, see, see, that's the the loophole I was gonna pull out on the day of. <laughs> uh, I'm glad I covered that loophole real quick. Then. Yeah, yeah. Look, look at you. So, also, is there a swear word quota that I'm allowed to have? Like, is is Adepticon swear word free? You know, I think it is supposed to be a a pretty family friendly event. All in all. So I'll I'll give you uh, one a day. Okay, one a day. Interesting. This can be tough, but I think I can handle it. Might also depend on the the word and the loudness I or mean, decimal level of said word. Okay, fair. You know my word, and you know my decibel level. <laughs> I I know both of those things, and that's why if it's that word at that decimal, it's going to be one. <laughs> this is very fair. This is very fair. So, uh. Let's see here. Let's let's keep going through these questions. Do you have any of these that, that you want to highlight real quick? Because we, we just cannot get to all of them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rob comes back with uh, a couple of other good ones. Uh, will Shields LVO win mean more players are pivoting to them for a perceived edge? I think so. Uh, especially because since Shields win, they got the additional tools of Spider-Woman and Agent Venom. Personal bias aside... Uh, Vince has done a lot of great talking up and kind of communicating how he did with S.H.I.E.L.D. and 
everything else, so I would not be shocked at all to see uh, a little bit more Nick Fury, Junior and Senior, at uh, Adepticon because of it. Yeah, completely agree. I I think I think we're going to see an uptick in Shield faux show. As to the second, uh, will Nate be bringing Avengers to Adepticon? Yes, I will have my Avengers on me. But uh, as we kind of talked about here already, I'm not playing in the main event. I'm kind of helping judging and running it. So if you catch me in some free time, though, I'm happy to uh, to pull out Steve and Loki and have some fun. Love it. You should do that. Uh, let's see here. Next question we have is a really good one from Rolo Tomasi here. What drives a meta more? The worldwide TTS leagues or a large con tournament like LVO, The Weekender, does one prepare for the other? So I think the TTS leagues inform the diehards. I don't know if that's a fair way to put it, but like, like people like you and me, who are just more or less, I know you said you're not super tapped in on the meta per se, but are more <laughs> or less tapped into what's going on within the community, I think the TTS leagues speak to that because... And 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 those inform what what you and I think is meta, what people like Merzane think is meta, what people like uh, Vince, Chewy, uh, Ominous, all these other guys out there that that have content and all that stuff because they're all like really tapped in on what's going on in TTS leagues. But I think that that like what drives a meta more is actually the con IRL events because I feel like that those are the things that really broaden everybody's appeal or broaden the whole thing's appeal. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, I, I hope I answered that question good. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, for me, I think uh, it, it's kind of an all-encompassing thing because when you look at uh, LVO and... Uh, to a little bit of a lesser degree, because not as many, uh, what I consider no reputable big name TTS players. Uh, granted, I could also be, I don't pay attention enough, so it's very possible that more of the uh, UK scene is playing in the TTS, but I just never see them because I don't pay attention to the UK one until right. top cuts and right. I, but I also haven't been playing. Anyway, uh, I, I think they all kind of circle around each other. I think the the people who are going to these events use TTS for prep for those, and I think people see what happens at those big events and then take that into TTS. It's all a, a vicious cycle. I That is a very insightful, Nate. I agree with you. So next one we've got here from Brian Freddy. I really like this question as well. Why do we even have to recognize a quote-unquote meta in a game where an attention to balance is really taken seriously? So this, I think, goes back to our main discussion from this episode, but I think that even though balance is taken seriously in this game, there are things that are outliers because, again, think about that curve, that bell curve. You've got things on the upslope that are considered quote-unquote, lower on the thing. You've got the tip, the point of the curve that is perfectly balanced and tuned and lined up, and then you've got the descending part of the curve, which are things that are too, uh, maybe maybe better 
than what they should be for that threat value. So even though that balance exists in this game very well, there is still a spectrum. And so I think that's why we talk about a meta. And I think when you when we talk about like recognizing a meta, I think it's more of saying like, I can bring a practiced convocation squad, a, a squad of convocation characters that I've run many, many times at this point. I can bring that to an event and and do okay and have a good time. And if I play someone that just picked up Hydra, right? And they, they're trying out Hydra. They've only got a couple of games in with Hydra. They've only got a couple of games in with Inhumans, with whatever, insert thing. I'm already walking to the table with more experience, which means my most effective tactics available in that moment is just my experience. So when we talk mm. about meta, I think that's what we mean more than anything, especially as it relates to this question. What do you think, Nate? Uh, everything that you just said, but also when we, we look at things like Magic the Gathering, uh, Warhammer, other tabletop games and collectible games where at the end of the day there there is that idea of deck construction or list construction uh, that AMG is worth recognizing the meta for how freaking good it is right now, right? Mm-hmm. Because we only have, like, what, 23 affiliations in the game? Yeah, only. Yeah, only. <laughs> uh, but even with that only 23, uh, more than half of those are really well represented. Others probably just outside of that. Uh, I think it's absolutely worth recognizing and applauding uh, AMG for a strong meta and a healthy meta as mm -hmm. well. Mm-hmm. I, I gotta say, I got a, another question here that I think is really good that I, I think kind of stems off of this one, and this is Darth Nader. He says, I feel like meta is associated with local playgroups versus TTS players. My local meta seems to be splitting bases on people playing for fun and a social experience and people who play hard to win and grind on TTS. Not criticizing either, but it feels like the quote-unquote leveled-up players are getting bored of crushing casuals locally, and the casuals are wandering, not wandering, but wandering away from the game. Explore and examine. This is a really, really interesting discussion, and one that I think it, you have to address this within your local group if this kind of thing is happening. It's, mm -hmm. it's one that, you know, if someone wants to, to level up and someone wants to go hard in the paint and, and be that dude, that's okay. Should they do that at the expense of others? I, that's, I, I think not, personally. Like, I, I wouldn't... I, I've, uh, I'm going to tell a story that I've told before, so I'm not going to get into the super deep details of it. But it has had a lasting impact on me. So we were playing Guild Ball. We had a tournament. It was a small little tournament, right? It's just, just basically my friends and maybe a couple people from out of town. Well, this one guy had been playing with us for a little bit. We were showing him the ropes, and there was like kind of this like thing with Guild Ball where <laughs> you're gonna lose your first hundred games, so just saddle up and enjoy that ride. Terrible way to exist, but whatever. And so this guy had been playing with us. We've been showing him the ropes, you know, trying to, to get him ready and everything. Well, 
he shows up to the tournament, rips open a brand new box of models, and ex and comes to play. And he was my first round opponent, and I was with a very practiced fisherman squad. I beat that dude, and you use clocks in that. I I think I used twenty minutes of my forty five minute clock to beat that guy. And at the end of the at the end of it, he was like whole like he was blown away that I did something like that. And he, you know, he, he quit the game after that. And mm -hmm. I felt terrible, Nate. Now, again, tournament setting. You're in it. You, you know what you're signing up for. You go to a tournament. You play to win the game, blah, blah, blah. But this does not sound like that. And if you're doing that kind of thing to people at a local game night just because you're trying to get to, like, level yourself up, like, are you even getting anything out of that game at that point? You know what I mean? Like, like, no, I, a hundred percent, uh, different, different thing. Uh, but it actually killed a community for a game here locally that I, I tried to get into. I bought, uh, relatively heavily into war machine and hordes, uh, when it was third edition, uh, was a more recent thing. They had a, a slow grow league, uh, which is where you start off with like the equivalent of a starter box. And then over the course of a couple months, uh, you build your way up to, and hopefully paint didn't happen, mm -hmm. uh, a way to a full-scale army. Mm -hmm. uh, and, like, for the growing part of it, like, it was fun. I was learning. People didn't have all these, like, like and, and other people were learning with me. But then when it came down to the actual, like, main of final ending event... A lot of the people that had been doing the slow grow, they didn't even have enough models yet or whatever the reason, but a lot of like the competitive tournament players were there and absolutely wiped the floor with me to the mm -hmm. point where it's like, oh, I didn't know that those things could do that. This wasn't fun. I ended up stopped going and the the community ultimately collapsed. Yeah. And uh, so to Darth Nader... Uh, if you have good relationships with any of the the people who are a little playing a little bit more hard to the paint kind of a thing, uh, have a discussion with them and see if there's a chance that they could bring. Hey, like have a competitive list ready for other people competitively, because uh, it seems that there's at least some other people there who try or are trying to grind those games, but also have like a absolutely like a goofy list that's not optimized uh to play against those who are looking for more of those narrative experiences yeah yeah and that that is exactly how i would say to do it too and it's it's one of those things where it's tough being a part of a community that that you know luck we here in memphis luckily we have a community that wants to do kind of both a little bit which is really nice and it and it's even when we are playing hard it's always still a fun casual good experience uh, even when I say casual in the sense of just jovial, maybe is the way to mm -hmm. put it. Uh, so it's just, you've got to be able to find that balance within your community. But I really love that question. And I've got two more that I want to get to, and then we're done because we're running super long and I'm super tired. And I told I'm you this fair. would be an hour before we started. So. <laughs> so this is a question that was asked before I brought this this whole thing up here. But it was from derail for one for me again. Uh, I I wanted to bring this question. He says show question. 
What can you do to help mitigate dice in the game? Certain rosters or play tactics that help remove the randomness of dice. So I bring that question up because I want to point out, like if you're in our Discord channel, go over to show questions and check out what Binks says to this because he gives a very nice response that I'm going to read a little bit of here because I, I think he is very insightful with what he says and then maybe just elaborate just a little bit. So Binks says the TLDR of this post that he made, objective leads, as in being ahead on objective, lead indirectly to more attacks. Better positioning leads to more attacks. Already having an attrition lead can also snowball into more attacks than when the game is over. The losing player can feel like it was luck when it was often just a better play leading to compounding advantages. And I want to illustrate that last phrase there compounding advantages now i'm the king of having dog doo-doo dice it happens and and there you go but those you try to mitigate dice as best you can with things like re-rolls with things like positioning like if you are making your opponent come to you and you're able to to position in such a way where you have overlapping attack scenarios that is a great way to mitigate dice because it, it's ultimately a volume game. It's kind of like in the NBA when you see the Golden State Warriors, they take a ton of threes, more threes than any other team in the league most years. And they do that, and they only score like, I think, 35%, 30 to 35% of their threes, but they take so many that they're able to accumulate those points. And it's the same thing when it comes to dice and Marvel Crisis Protocol. There's a reason why things like Rapid Fire are so strong and are only four dice most of the time because it's really, you're rolling eight dice, you're just doing it in two different times. Mm -hmm. So you're rolling eight dice against six instead of five versus three. Exactly. Exactly. So... It becomes a volume thing, and so when you talk about mitigating dice, positioning is the number one key thing, and not forgetting that it's an objective game. And, I mean, mm -hmm. Nate, do you have anything to elaborate on this? I just I really wanted to highlight that question and then Binks's response because I thought it was a really good one. Uh, it doesn't really tie into Binks's response necessarily, and I do think that Derail is spot on saying that this is a show question or a show topic all in itself. Uh, but I, I don't think that there are certain rosters that really are going to ever help fully mitigate dice, uh, but there definitely are characters who can kind of help uh, mitigate dice, whether that is with having access to more throws because throws equal guaranteed amounts of damage mm -hmm. whether you're throwing terrain uh, or characters at other characters where it's like a hey this is a set three damage attack basically uh, when you're throwing a size two and it scales up or it's guaranteed one damage with the collisions and then you have characters with re-rolls characters that count blanks uh, are the particularly the best those are also uh, things to, to kind of look at if you're looking to really help mitigate the, the diciness of the game. Yeah, uh, we have a player locally here, Jeff. He was getting really frustrated playing Avengers because the dice just uh, by nature are swingy. 
in Marvel Crisis Protocol because of the exploding crits and, and just the eight-sided dice, all of that stuff. It's inherently swingy. So he was playing Avengers and was just getting frustrated because he's coming from 40K and AOS mainly, I believe. And there <laughs> he had a lot of tools at his disposal to kind of mitigate dice. And I mean, and as far as I know, I don't play 40K anymore. It's been years. But like you, you roll so many dice for any one thing. You know, you're going to have insane things happen on that game. But he switched over to playing Shadowlands Daredevil, and he's really taken a shine to that and how Shadowlands Daredevil gives you the re-roll and then setting up a kill box with things like uh, Winter Soldier and Fury Senior. So, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah. You said you had one more uh, question you wanted to hit? Uh well, so it was more just kind of those two things. But did you have one of these other ones? There there are so many, and we just cannot. There are so many, and I think a lot of them, thankfully, uh, they are great questions. Uh, but they also are going to be, in some ways, even more relevant to your discussion with uh, Josh next week. Or yeah, Merzane. there's definitely I don't know some... what you call him here. Uh, <laughs> because a lot of them are kind of about approaching certain matchups or characters and stuff like that. And I think that that's going to be a great place to tackle those. Absolutely agree. So some of these we will save. So just if you didn't get your question heard on this one, uh, be prepared to uh, have it on the next one. But uh, yeah. yeah. The the last one I do want to mention is uh, Mithrandir's. What is the best way to practice into the monthly changing meta? Playing with it, against it, or a little bit of both? For me personally, I don't think it's necessarily something you have to practice into, especially monthly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what Will and I have said a, a few times at the end of the day is get experience with the team that you want to know and enjoy playing, and that experience will do dividends for you. And then when you're coming up on an event, I don't think you even necessarily need to practice into the meta but you need to be aware of what the meta is capable of yeah yeah and it's one of those things where if you have an opportunity to put psylocke on the table i think playing with a character is going to help you understand that character and what they're capable of a little more than just playing against them however Mm -hmm. playing against a character is gonna and especially someone that has played with that character over time you're going to see what they do with the character when they have unlocked it. So you might end up getting more information out of it that way. But I think in terms of knowing, if you just want to know what a character is doing, then you using them yourself will at least allow you to have a familiarity with what they are capable of in that way. But I do agree with what you said in, ter- in the totality there. Familiarize yourself with your list first. <laughs> So, yeah. Anyways, Nate, we're running long again because I just can't not run long, apparently. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, guys, we have a Gamer Guild podcast ourselves. Uh, you can find it on Anchor, Spotify, and many other places, I guess, and stuff. Uh, but uh, we've got a, a great crew over there that do affiliation breakdowns, all that good stuff. And then also over on YouTube, uh, I usually put out uh, weekly videos with character reviews, tactics, overall game thoughts. Uh, but leading up to Adepticon, I've got some catching up to do on my paintings, so I've uh, taken a short break. 
Yes, it is uh, very exciting Adepticon painting stuff. Be on the lookout on our social media for stuff with painting and all of that fun stuff. And you can check out our Facebook, just House Party Protocol over there. And uh, also over on the Discord and the Patreon, if you're interested in being a part of our Discord, you can check that out, patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol, and come and join us over there as one of the suits. And we're going to be doing a giveaway soon after Adepticon's over. I'll be getting the details for that. We're also going to be doing a HPP League. So we're going to be starting that up the week after Adepticon. So be ready for that. This is kind of a big announcement, I guess, that I shouldn't have done right at the end, but we're doing it anyways. We're going to be kicking that off the week after Adepticon, basically, and it's just going to be fun, you know, and it's only going to be for the Discord right now just because of logistics and all of that stuff. It just makes it easier keeping every everybody contained in that bubble, if you will, on, on all of that. But uh, we'll try to open one up to everybody at a, a later time. But I, uh, I hope to see you guys there for that. And uh, if you have an opportunity, leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps the show get seen by other people looking for Marvel Crisis Protocol content. And uh, share this around to your friends and on your social medias and all that stuff. I really, really appreciate that. And I know whenever I post this on Facebook, some people will tag other people. Thank you so much for doing that. And uh, to all the suits out there, I, I, I got to say, I really appreciate everything you do. And it really means the world to me to be a part of this community and to interact with you guys uh, especially the ones over there as part of the Patreon on a daily basis. It just really, really brings a lot of light into my life. So I, I appreciate that so much. And uh, yeah, with that, party on Nate. Party on Will. And power down suits. <laughs> <laughs>